You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. When we talk about Gonic literature, about, uh, about recovering lost gems, what I'm really trying to do here is sort of, if not recover, but bring to the forefront some of the beginnings of what we already know is played out in the pages of Shulchan Aruch. And that's really the question about fasting on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, should Rosh Hashanah be a day of fasting? Included in this there's, is fasting on Shabbos Tshuva. Uh, is there a difference between the first day of Rosh Hashanah and the second? What is the nature of Rosh Hashanah? What is the nature of that day in terms of our, uh, our strictures about how we serve God on that day? Can fasting be part of it? Uh, uh, before we get started, let's think and say, well, let's state at least that it doesn't seem to be such a bad idea. Now, obviously, the mentalities have altered about fasting. <laughs> the whole idea about what we would call self-flagellation and, 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 and living penitence uh, and, and the, the toll that it takes on our physical bodies uh, is sort of outmoded. But it's really even changed in our lifetime. Uh, we, we've become a lot more pampered and a lot more needy in this century in terms of what we can take. We all know that in previous generations, the idea of accepting upon yourself fasting, and, and again, I know people do it for dieting and it's done very often for people with health issues, but they have people fasting as a, as a, as a aspect of tshuva, as I'm gonna to fast today, I mean, in Makabal Atinas, it's, it, these are halachas and shulchan aruch. This was part of, uh, of life. To us, the fast days are very, very unusual. Just parenthetically, I know even the fast day that I have accepted without a true nether, so to speak, but I would probably have to even mount your nether in order to stop doing it, is fasting on the yard sites of my parents, of my mother and father. It's based on the Gemara, of course. And when I tell people, people will say, oh, I don't fast. Oh, you fast? Is, is that true? It, 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 was a, it was a double pleasure that people would fast in the time of Chazal. And, and, and for their own individual uh, histories of things that had occurred and, and things that were happening. Um, and, and part of what we're going to talk about today is another type of fast, is Tainus Chalom, which at, at, in the time of Chazal was the standard remedy for what was perceived as messages from beyond or messages from here that were instructing you or informing you or warning you about terrible things that might happen. And unless you fasted, those things might occur. So fasting was much more part of other pe of people's lives, religious fasting. I'm not talking about fasting for health or fasting for medical reasons, but the idea of, of denying oneself food in order to, for a higher purpose, was much more, you'll pardon the pun, on the table than it is to God is really way beyond our, our primal needs Whereas there, the you know, is it going to rain or not, or is is, is the harvest going to come in properly, uh, you know, is something that uh, really was dependent on constant prayer. Did that lead to more fasting? Clearly, the idea of fasting was much more prevalent, and therefore it made sense in those days to use fasting as part of the means of obtaining God's good graces, of getting a kapara, of doing tshuva properly during the series of Mechuba, during Rishon and Yom Kippur. And you can see why it was asked, as you can see, who was this question asked from? 
it was asked from Rav Netrunoi Goyim, Rav Netrunoi by Rav Eila Goyim. He lived in approximately the year 850, well, he was a, a, quite an old man by the time he ascended. Rav Netrunoi Goyim was quite an old man by the time he ascended to the throne of Sura. Now, remember, we talked about these two yeshivas, Sura and Pukbadiso, that eventually were in the same city. They eventually were both in Baghdad, uh, near each other, representing somewhat of a different philosophies. Um, I mentioned Sadia last week, as Sadia, uh, about uh, in the year, uh, about 70 years after this, about the year 920, uh, ascending to the throne of Sura. He was brought in as a hero, an intellectual hero. Um, 70 years earlier, about the year 850 or 860, between 850 and 860, Netronoi was, although his father had been a gone, he must have been sort of like King Charles III, somewhere in close to his 70s, when he became the leader of this prestigious yeshiva called Sura. And he is unique that the amount of Gaonic material issuing from Natrunoi, Natrunoi is quadruple or five times the amount of Gaonim previously. We mentioned Rav Matisiohu last week. We mentioned Rav Moshe Gaon. There are hundreds of chuvas from Natrunoi where there's only perhaps tens of chuvas from his immediate predecessors and some of the ones that were right after him. He was clearly a very important Gaonic leader, and we find his material spreading in North Africa and in Spain specifically. So that whole area, and in fact, there are uh, indicators that even as far north as Germany and France, he was his psukim were reaching questioners about what they should do in their religious life. You cannot fast on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. So he was being asked whether one should fast on Rosh Hashanah. And now, why can't you fast? Rav Nitrinoi said, The first day of Rosh Hashanah is Daraisa. A very interesting uh, statement because you'll see in a second. Aval bisheni u les bukushia. There's no problem fasting on the second day of Rosh Hashanah or the Shabbos of the Shabbat, the Shabbos that's in the Aserus Yemei Then you can fast. Now you're going to say fasting? How could you fast on Shabbos? Shabbos that says. It says Hayom three times. You have to have three meals. A Suda Shlishis, a beautiful Suda. Rosh Hashanah. Isn't it part in some way of the holidays? No. Mishunos Mikol Yemos Hashanah. They are different. These 10 days, and again, as Rav Salvechuk points out, not just Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but as a unit of days of tshuva. Maybe Rosh Hashanah separately then a Yom of Tshuva is a day that you would not fast. Maybe, as we're going to find later, the sources from Sefer Nehemiah indicating that it's a day of eating and drinking. 
But when you view them, Netronoi says, as part of the unit of the 10 days of tshuva, okay, I'll take the first day of Rosh Hashanah off the table. And maybe that's in deference to the psukim in Nehemiah, which we're going to see quoted, that there was the day that Ezra Nehemiah um, gave the people the admonition the, to tell them that they shouldn't be crying, that they should be going out and eating. But on the second day of Rosh Hashanah and on Shabbos, he says, those would be fine fasting because this unit of these 10 days are special. They are different than any other days of the year. And that's what he's saying is this, in other words, he's talking about 850. So he's talking about the, he's in the ninth century. He's referring back into the 700s, the, the, the eighth century. He says, my Rabbeim, going back, they would fast. Whether it was a Shabbos or a weekday. So that is, now there might be, a, 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 this seems to be, uh, based on Rabbi Senar Rishonim, we get the sense that fasting did occur on, at least on what was, and they already, and they did keep two days of Rosh Hashanah. And it was, they, they made, other people would, would make Kiddush, but the good people, the Rabbi Seinu Arishonim, and they seem to encourage the idea of fasting on Rosh Hashanah, maybe, and again, why it didn't affect the first day, we'll see in a minute, but at least the second day and on Shabbos Shuvah, that is from Rav Natrunoi Gon appears in uh, one of a work that I've quoted here often. I've mentioned how part of understanding Gaonic literature is recognizing the uh, adversarial attitude that many Rishonim had towards the Gaonim uh, and recognizing there were some who were not adversarial. The, adver the adversaries were the Rif and the Rambam who admit where the Gaonim, uh, as we've said in previous Shiurim, uh, their traditions about Tefillin and other things that take them closer to Sinai, um, they don't want to uh, try to uh, knock the boat. In fact, they respect very gratefully. But in terms of their understanding of the sugi of the Gemara, um, they clearly say the Gaonim aren't Shas. They aren't Ravin and Ravashi. Uh, as the Rambam has, has, has told us, his champions are some of the North Africans who, although they were familiar with Gonic material, saw themselves independent of the Gaonim. There were other Rishonim who mentioned the Ritz Geus was really a very different type of Rishon. He felt that the what we what was needed was perhaps a little bit of enrichment, but using Gaonic material as the basis for his work. In fact, he is one of the great sources for Gaonic material, which he wanted to make the centerpiece. And you're going to see an example, beautiful example of it tonight, where Gaonic material is interspliced with his own comments. And that's the way he thought was the way to go further. Obviously, history uh, was not on the Ritzgeus' side, but enough of the Ritzgeus' safer does survive. And of course, it has not the complete version of it, but we do have selections from that, that great work of Ritzgeus called May, a great work of Ritzgeus, 
uh, survives in part with the very prescient comments of Rav Zeligman Baumberger, the Yitzchak Yiranein. So here we have it in a more uh, fuller source. Let's take a look. Um, we'll start from here. Dear search out God when he allows himself to be found, where he is actually found with us. Search him out, where he is allowing himself to be found. So we search out, and he sort of pushes himself in a way where he's not hiding. That's what Chazal say. Those are those days. Now, this seems to be someone in between the Gaonim and the Rishonim, Rav Kohen Tzedek. Minig v'beiz yeshivas. Again, v'beiz yeshivas are surin pimpadisa, to say tachnunim. There were other yeshivas. There were more than two. Even in Baghdad, the seat of the caliphate, there was the Reish Galusa's yeshiva. That was more sort of sort of like the political yeshiva, um, because the Reish Galusa was the main representative of the Jews to the Islamic powers, and they had a yeshiva around there. And he was also wont to issue psalkim. Sometimes that yeshivas were strong, sometimes they weren't. So the two yeshivas were sort of like sur and Pupadisa together. So now we see the Minigan and Beis Yeshivas was to say, That's when they said what we call Slichos, So they would actually get up very early and they would go through a whole order of Tefillah. And they would have a special Shliach Tzibur, wasn't a bunch of individuals. There would be somebody representing the community who would say these uh, penitential and pleading prayers and he would say which we've already explained which means something that includes all aspects of prayer standing, sitting uh, in, in complete and then there was a Kaddish so this is again a very important source because it shows you you can say a Kaddish tiskabel on Slichos, even though it doesn't seem to be a Shemun Esrei, but the Slichos were like a, a whole packaged tefillah with every aspect of tefillah in itself. Now, the Omer Rabbeinu Chai minagenu lomer tachnunim ahani yud yomim luchud. The minag in, by, and this is towards the end of the period of the Gaonim, in Pumpadisa was, in their yeshiva, was they didn't say Slichos before Rosh Hashanah. It was only during the series he made Shuvah starting from the first day of Rosh Hashanah on. And Rav Hai writes, Vishamanu Demitzas Asrei, there's some places in Pras, in the Persian areas, Kaimim Rosh They start from Rosh Chodesh Elul, Amre Debe Salak Moshe, Lachar Zimneshlishis. So that's when Moshe had his third ascent to the mountain. Venochas Bulukhishniyos, Biomaki Purim. So even though he, Rav Hai heard about it, and they were the heads of the yeshivas, the, the rabbinic superstars, that people would send money and support, and they heard there was almost like a grassroots understanding to start penitential prayers, slichos, 
earlier, he says, we don't do it, but it's all right if you want to do it. There's, we're not going to stamp it out. If you want to do more, that'll be a schus for you. Go ahead and do it. That was Haigon. Now we come to Ritzgeus, who quotes Haigon verbatim, and he says, however, we here in Spain, we've sort of have what he calls the Persian Minog. That's what's happened here. That grassroots aspect of starting early, which we call the Sephardish Minog, as you can see here how early it was by the Ritzgeus as well. That's one, that's topic one Ritzgeus is dealing with. By the way, what is this subject? Why, where is this information des described? Not in the laws of Rosh Hashanah, but in the laws of tshuva. Earlier, he deals with how to blow shofar and other things. Here, we're talking about the tshuva of the Aser, of Rosh Hashanah as a day of tshuva. And that's why the Ritzgeus starts with the idea that early morning tachnunim start on, the, on Rosh Hashanah before Shachris. Your machzor is a little bit bigger, with even more tzuichas, even in the morning of Rosh Hashanah. That's right. Now, parenthetically, some people start tzuichas before Rosh Hashanah. But that's the reason why that's the first subject in this chapter of the Ritzkeus. Subject two is fasting on Rosh Hashanah. So he quotes the Rav Natronoi that was great Natronoi of Sura, who was in a way a, um, a Gaon that was a trailblazer in terms of the areas of his influence of his ability to, I didn't mention before, his, his, his proficiency in Arabic and other things. Not like Sadia by any means, but clearly he was someone who wanted to push the power of the Gaonate, so to speak, and was revered and did know how to write and answer. And as I said, but he was not, his Hira'a was not accepted as we can see by Hai. Now, Hai, of course, lived uh, almost 200 years later, and he was one of the last of, uh, of the Gaonim of Pumpedisa, and he says, I disagree. Va'omer Rabbeinu Hai, lo'i chazinan l'meisav b'tainas b'shabota. No, we shouldn't fast on a tainas on Shabbos. That's Hai's attack. He doesn't talk about the second day of Rosh Hashanah yet. He says Shabbos would be wrong to fast. What's his proof? We know Tisha B'Av, which is clearly a fast day, not just something that uh, an acceptance of tshuva that we'd like to push people to do. Tisha B'Av is a tainus that sort of had always been on the docket. According to some uh, approaches, they fast at Tisha B'Av even during the second Beis Hamikdash. Whether they did or didn't, clearly once the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, its status as the premier day of fasting is unquestionable. And yet, Shabbos and Tisha B'Av, Shabbos elbows out Tisha B'Av. Titania, 
You can actually have the most lavish Tishabov you want. It could be the great Tishabov meal, even greater than your usual Shabbos. For sure, another Shabbos. Now, what are you going to say? That these days are Mishunos? Remember, that was in the Trinoi. That this Shabbos is different. As a unit of Aserasim Eichuva, they're all different. This is dear Shuadinoi Behimatsa'o. And therefore, the atmosphere is different, the attitude is different. So, Hai disagrees. Dear Shuadinoi Behimatsa'o, that we should search him out and show that we're really dedicated. It's not because we restrict ourselves from eating. And that's how we show, look, you see, God, I found you. I'm not so involved in, in the chopped liver. You see, I'm, I'm fasting. No, it's not about fasting. But Oneg Shabbos, look at this incredible statement. Oneg Shabbos midrishos Hashemu. Doing Oneg Shabbos right is part of being Dorish Hashem. Right? Getting that, 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 that good herring, getting that right food, setting the table beautifully, have a feeling that this is the palace of the king, that's part of searching God out. That it isn't your usual, okay, peanut butter and jelly, whatever it is you're having, whatever type of spare Spartan food you're going to put in your mouth, the fact that you actually have an oneg from a type of food, that itself is drish of Hashem. Now, therefore, Hai says, ah, I can't see how you could fast on Shabbos. Now, but about Yom Tov, okay, I saw what Netronoi said, not the first day. The truth is, I would say, if you really feel you want to fast on Rosh Hashanah, you can. The only, why, you, know, you want to tell me Rosh Hashanah is a Yom Tov? Just like, because it seems to be Mugdar, uh, like the rest of the Yom Tov, um, as the great Shagas Aryeh who has a whole wonderful essay, two, two important halachic examinations based on, on this subject. But he says, if you think about it, well, clearly there must be some sort of mitzvah, the Shagas Arye says, of Simchas Yom Tov. Um, the proof is, is that Ochel Nefesh is allowed. The fact that we have Ochel Nefesh allowed on Rosh Hashanah must be that it's tied in with the idea of Simchas Yom Tov. And God wouldn't allow it unless there's a mitzvah to do it. So, uh, you know, sort of anticipating that type of argument, Hai says, yes, there is the option for the person who's not yet there to say, I want to be Makayim Sim Chasyantif with Ochel Nefesh. But if it's better for you because of where you're holding, that you want to feel God's closeness on this special day by fasting, you can. Yom Tov is different than Shabbos. Livar, uh, the only thing that's the exception, is Yom Atzarto. About what? The day of Shavuos is different. Okay, so that is the... Um, now, I'm going to assume, I'm not sure if this is all High's language, or uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Geus, Ibn Geus's uh, explanation. Uh, let's assume that it's part of high at this point. I'm not sure. Because again, the book suffers a little bit that we're not sure where 
one stops and the other starts. And remember, he wanted to entrench Gaonic opinions in his book. But I do believe up until this point, I know was Hyde. Now, this might be the Ritzkeus, but I'm not sure. The Iker Hamilsa, this idea that you can fast on Yontif, where does that come from? Well, we find it in the Gemara and Psachim and the Gemara and Beitza. The Gemara says that Rabbi Yeshua is, is, is Latime. Rabbi Yeshua, who debated Rabbi Lezer ben Horkinus, they're two good friends, about what should be the standard Yomtev uh, procedure for in the yeshiva, was based on Rabbi Yeshua's halachic opinion. The Savar Simchas Yomtev Mitzvah, that a person must make sure using that ochel nefesh option to actually take advantage of it and spend time eating on Yantif. If you want to take that option, Rabbi Lezer ben Orkina says, of being a, a, a fresser, because <laughs> you don't think you can serve God in an aesthetic type of way. So you know what you can do? You can decide you're one of those and make your good meal. Oh, or you can decide to join me Rebbe Lezer says, and, and his yeshiva, and, and, and try to be Yoshev to sit all day in shul and just soak up the beauty of learning and the Beis HaKnesses and the Beis HaMedrish and study Torah. You can do that, and you can still be Makayim Simchas Yantav by learning Torah. That was Rebbe Lezer's opinion. He didn't deny that there's a mitzvah of Simchas Yantav. He didn't deny, like, as I pointed out in the Shagasari, that there must be a mitzvah of Simchas Yontif, or else how can there be a heter of Ochel Nefesh? Rebbe Lezer wouldn't disagree, but he says that's because God knew that there was gradations among the Jewish people, and there should be the option to be able to uh, arise and say, I'm just going to have a different type of Yontif. Now, Rabbi Shua said, no. The, the best option is Chalkeyu. Chetzia <laughs> Rabbi Yeshua says what God wants is half and half or something like that. And Rabbi Yochanan, knowing about their debate, Rabbi Yochanan, the king of the Amaroyim there in Israel said, What's, where does this atzeris, that atzeris is halting, this bringing within ourselves, this complete total dedication, is it to God or is it to you? So Rebbe Lezer says, it's very, the Pasuk seems to be one way or the other way. It's an atzeris. It's completely atzeris for you, atzeris for Hashem. So it's okay, those are the two types of Jews. Oikul Hashem, Which says no. The Torah emphasizing one different aspects in different psukim really want a beautiful tiferes, a beautiful uh, intertwining of both, Rabbi Yeshua said. That's the way every yontif should be. So, we know that even though Eliezer felt that yontif could be fast, a fast day for you, a fast day of learning, a fast day of Avodah Hashem, Yes, you can throw tshuva in, his bonus in God, but a lot, a lot of learning. 
This is not the girsa, by the way, that most of you are familiar with. This girsa of the Ritzgeus, or of possibly Rav Ai in the Talmud, is different than what you probably remember from the Gemara Psochim, where the Gemara says, Hakol moidim batzeres nami loche, that you have to have some loche. But here you see the girsa was, no, everybody says batzeres, it's got to be almost completely meals. The day of Matan Torah, right? And the words why Yom Shnitabo Torah should really be the day that we actually don't do what the normal yeshiva or the normal opulence of meals way beyond. That's what Shavuot is supposed to be, the Gemara says. It isn't supposed to be you're in the base Medrash learning. A kol modem batzeris, even Eliezer ben Hurkanus, who, who lambasted those who didn't study, who didn't stay with them for hours and hours on Yom Tif afternoon to study. The Gemara says, based on this girsa of the Talmud, he would say, you should be spending more time at home. Your meal should be lavish and opulent, and you should enjoy. And the reason is my taima, yom shenit Torah. So therefore, even though part of you would like to be learning, but you need to actually go to the pomp and circumstance of, of not being in the base metrish on Shavuos, the Gemara says. You should actually be at home taking care of your meals and slaughtering the smell of, of roast duck. That's, the, that's what should be permeating because it's a super special day of the day of the day. is mm-hmm. a very, is fascinating. And you can, again, Baumberger points out that the right girsa should be mm-hmm. meaning you should go home and do some eating, mm-hmm. right? But that's what Baumberger says is that mm-hmm. that should be the right girsa? Okay. And so that girsa makes would, would ameliorate your 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 issue. I am based on what ba- the the manuscript that Baumberger found of the Ritzgeus. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually even more to me very fascinating that mm-hmm. there should be this sort of you're right. It's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde here, right? You know, when it comes to Pesach and Sukkot and these other days, which you could maybe you would logically say, oh, Pesach, it's we're celebrating the freedom and Sukkot is like the harvest holiday. Mm-hmm. Shavuos is the day that we're Matan Torah, right? That's probably the day where you'd want to be learning all day. It's actually turned on its head based on his gears in the Gemara and Psachim that that Shavuos, everybody would say, even Eliezer would say, it's got to be Kula Lochem. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't learn at all, but it means you are overindulging in a way in terms of your banquet-like attitude. Again, remember, the girsa that Baumberger tells us to say here is nami lachem. But I'm going to read it with the girsa the way the manuscript was found. That it's kula lachem. That you, look, Shabbos. Yeah, kula lachem. Why? Karasa Shabbos oneg. And therefore, the types of meals, oh, what a great Shabbos meal. Oh, look at that lavish Suda. Again, Amar Rabba, HaKol Modim B'Purim, Shekulu Lachem. Okay, so basically what we have here at this point, so follow with me here for a minute. What we have here is Eliezer and Yehoshua uh, arguing about the other Yom Tovim, these three, even Eliezer says, yeah, you, should, you shouldn't be fasting. You don't have that option. Now, the Amora, Marbere the Ravina, 
was a tzaddik who decided, but his actions were well known by his students and his friends. His whole year, he would fast. He wouldn't fast on Shruis, Puria, on Purim, Umayoma Dikipura, and on Erev Yom Kippur. Why? And that's based on the famous Meditani Chiyabarav Midifti, the famous contradiction in the Pasuk between Vinisim Esnaf Sersechem, Basoro, or Betisha, the difference between eight and between nine and ten. And from there, uh, he got the uh, halacha that you're supposed to eat on the ninth. And that drosha was powerful enough for Marbare de Ravina to eat and not fast on Erev Yom Kippur. So, what do you see? You see, Alma, those days, so what are they again? Shabbos, Purim, Erev Yom Kippur, Shavuos. Those are the days you shouldn't be fasting. So, Umino Amarabanan, and that's where Chazal get to be Yom of the Shabta, and Shabbos too, you wouldn't fast. Because that's what it said before. So Marbare the Ravina didn't mention Shabbos, but maybe Shabbos is also included there as well. It's true. It says he fasted every day of the year, but did he disagree with what the Talmud said earlier? What Rabbi said earlier about Shabbat? Maybe he didn't. And therefore he just added another day, which was Arab Yom Kippur. They don't so include what, Pesach? Would include Pesach as well. Obviously, he did he ate this, he would eat the night of the Seder. But the daytime, right. he the daytime, he would fast during the daytime. It wasn't a 24-hour fast. He ate only at night, but during the whole year, during the day, he never ate. But every Yomtev, Marbare de Ravina would fast, except for Shruas. So this seems to be the Ritz Kayas's defense or explanation of Hai. Hai says you could fast on Yomtev, not the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Bob's uh, objection notwithstanding, but the second day of Rosh Hashanah, Yontif, though it might be, you could fast. It's not true. You could be fasting. Maybe you should be able to fast on the first day too. I'm not sure why it's different, but this is what Ritzgeus uses to explain Hai's first psak. That Hai's first psak was that Shabbos no, but Yontif, yes. Against Natrunoi, who felt you could fast on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, and you could also fast on Shabbos Tshuva. Then he says, Va'omer b'tshuva acheres, Hai wrote a second tshuva. So it's not surprising that there should be multiple tshuvas. We have this from many of our Rabbonim, and did he change his mind? A little bit, let's see. L'sanos b'shnei yamim tom Rosh Hashanah, kach onuroyim. Now, this is a pretty interesting way of stating it. I think it would be better not to fast. Remember, earlier he said, you want to fast on Yom Tov, it's fine. Now he's saying, I don't think it's good to fast on Yom Tov. It's better. Again, not exactly a condemnation. But then he proves it based on the Pasuk and Nehemiah. Shekach Amru Parnasa Yisrael, Harishonim Yisrael Hashanah. This is what happened when the Jews convocated together, uh, when they were 
brought at the beginning of the Second Commonwealth when Ezra and Nehemiah were both there and they had they had dedicated their lives to uh, changing and getting rid of their non-Jewish wives and they were reading from the Torah and crying. They were told, "Don't be, don't cry today." It's a holy day. It's a great day, a day to eat. Okay, so you see from there that on a Yom Tov of like Rosh Hashanah, you should eat. Shabbos Shuva. I don't think a person should be fasting. And again, he quotes Tisha B'Av as well. And then he says, you can't tell me that these days are so different. Because Let's say a person saw fit to fast because a personal tragedy was occurring or, or some other important event had occurred that he needed to fast on an Arab Shabbos. There was a big debate, he said, they went back and forth on this issue. Should you, should you fast until it's Shabbos? In other words, should you break your fast on Friday afternoon so when Shabbos begins, you're not at Farklap Hishana, You're not completely knocked out. There was a whole debate what you should do for many generations. Finally, the halakha went back and forth and it said, you're allowed to keep on fasting. You're not fasting on Shabbos. You can get till the finish line. When Shabbos starts, you should eat, but you can fast until Shabbos. So you see, Rav Hai said, in this was not even about fasting on Shabbos. We were so worried. How could you say this fast that you have decided to give and you've decided to dedicate yourself to? How could you say that it's correct on Shabbos? So that was the second psak of Rafai. Now, Ritzgeus points out and you'll see in a minute that this is subtly different than the first one. In the first one, he allows fasting on Yom Tov. Here, he doesn't. Here, he's very happy about this, uh, this that was written in the 11th century, early 11th century. Tshuva is not fasting. Tshuva, not fasting. And, and obviously, um, even though you search God out, as the Rabbanan say, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Flagellation of the body is not the way to search him. It's not make it a fast day, make an official day, I'm not putting any food in my mouth. Because then you're thinking about your stomach, you're thinking about maybe you're even, you're even patting yourself on that stomach and praising it that you're not eating. That's not what it's about. That's not where you get the drish of Hashem. Yeah, okay, you're going to eat when you get home. But what did you do beforehand? You 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 earnestly prayed to God, earnestly gave your spilled out your your, your heart to God. You recognized God in your life. You mischanen. You did tshuva. That is that's what dear Hashem means. Because look, did anybody say teda Ritzgeis continues? Mishenu misane behem. No one, even of the ones like Netrunoi, who who felt. It was, it was laudatory to fast. Nobody ever thought that we should impose it on people. Yes, the, these rabbis were doing it. It was considered 
it was considered a positive thing. Nobody expected it to be, that it was something that should become the norm that everyone should be fasting. Ella, what was it? If there was someone who felt he needed it, they, this group of Gaonim said, let him fast. But we disagree. Because since it's not a real fast day, it's not a day that you've used your Gaonic power, your rabbinic power to legislate, then you've got, you've, you've got Onik Shabbos issues. The most it can ever be, even from the Gaonic's perspective, is an elevated, uh, an elevated ideal that one should try to get to. But even though you feel you're ready to take that plunge, you just can't say, I'm in a different league. You have to deal with the halachic reality that this is a din daraisa. You need to eat on Shabbos and eat on Yontif. There's no chiyav to fast. The Shabbos lohutra. Now you're right. Shabbos sometimes people fast, but that's only for timeless halom. That's only for the the dream that seems to be a message from, as I said, almost from beyond, telling you that something bad is going to happen to you unless this occurs, and therefore, in a way, you're in pain if you don't fast. And therefore, it's exceptional. But because you took it on your own without getting some inspiration from above and some message, but you took it on your own because you feel this is the way you want to become close to God, you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. And again, Ritzgeus further proves it. He says, We know there's a special book called Megillus Titus, and there's days that various semi-miracles happened during for the Jews in Bayesheni, and therefore they were set aside to be days not to fast. So even those days, which were just events that occurred that weren't uh, in, entrenched in the Torah, even then, they didn't fast in those days. For sure, days like Rosh Hashanah, which is in the Torah, one shouldn't, one shouldn't think about fasting, now you're going to tell me Rebbe Leezer and Rebbe Yeshua, and I'll be a Rebbe Leezer person on Rosh Hashanah. He says, first of all, even though they argue about Simchas Yomtev, first of all, we hold like Rebbe Yeshua. Rebbe Yeshua beats Rebbe Leezer. Why? And here the Ritzkei says, Rebbe Leezer was Shmuti. Remember the story in, 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 in Bava Metziah, where he lost the the the, the battle about the Taner Shalachnoi, and because of his resistance, he was in a sense excommunicated, and therefore his halachic reasoning, even before that, his halachic reasonings that were posited even before the excommunication, have now been tainted as the opinions of a shmutihi, of a person who we see out of an outlier, someone who's out of bounds, and therefore. Uh, we don't pass on Karbalezer. And he says, even if you're going to be a Rebeliezer person, maybe Rebeliezer would say that you can, but Rebeliezer would never try to impose it and say, I am fasting. 
In other words, I'm a faster. You, in other words, I'm learning and I'm not eating. But it's not that this day is my fast day. And therefore, for this group of initiates, they, are, they have now accepted these days of the first or second day of Shoshana as a fast day. No, it's, you, have a, you have a right as a, as a person dedicated to Torah to say, this is the way I'm fulfilling my lochem, as we were saying before. But not that it's a fast day. Not I'm it as tainus. In other words, tainus is, let me say it even better. Tainus is, there's an, I have to be careful. I don't want to put a morsel, I want to break my fast, right? Putting food in my mouth would be a problem. That's not, it's not that you're putting food in your mouth. It's that I, I, I'm not going to let eating get it stand in the way of being total Hashem by sitting and learning and doing other things and davening. But it's not that I'm, I'm being coveted as a tightness. It, it seems like this movement that Netrunoi was talking about, that he says his earlier rabbeim were doing, was actually for these people on this level to actually accept it as a fast day. He says that, that Ezra wouldn't hold that. And now, um, now, so therefore, um, and in, in, in even though Marbere de Ravina, that um, who we saw fasted every day of the year, he says he's he's clearly uh, an outlier. He's not like Rabbi Eliezer, because Rabbi Eliezer would say that you have to, and here you, you can't fast on Shabbos, and he seemed to have fasted on Shabbos. And Marbere, don't bring me right from Marbere de Ravina. And according to Rabbi Shu, of course, wouldn't hold of him. So uh, the Gemara mentions him, but don't point him and say, hey, we're all going to be Marbere de Ravinas himself, and we're all going to be fasting. So this is um, what Ritz Gaius does to pump up this second psaac of Rav Hai. And, and, he, and he, he, he continues and says that this that Rav Hai said originally that his first psaac, the halacha kemoso, the rabbon and amri debioma shabtoi lov yasa Even though, if you read the first psak, it seems to be that you could fast on the second day and even maybe the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Harei chazerbo. He later, the second psak, Ritzkeus is sure comes from a later time in High's life and represents a psak where he rescinds what he wrote and he says. You can't fast on any day of Rosh Hashanah. And Marbere de Ravina is not to be seen in any way, shape, or form as a model to follow. I want to uh, imply something a little bit more. And this is based on um, the work of, of Rabbi Yaakov Gertner, who wrote articles about this in the 70s and later turned it into a book called Gilgule, Gilgule Minig Bahalacha. He wrote articles in the Sefer Adorim. And he feels that really what was going on here was a battle over influence. It seems like, um, you know, it was playing out in Baghdad, but it started really in Eretz Yisrael itself. It seems like there was already a movement in Eretz Yisrael to vivify, first of all, the Eliezer approach, that we should return to that. We should, we should encourage people to be that way, at least on Rosh Hashanah. At least on Rosh Hashanah, we should be that way. Again, Shavuos was, was the exception, but the other Yemim Tovin, there were, there were again, Rabbosainu Arishonim, they were doing that, these fastest Gaonim, as they were. And they were, and they 
felt that this was Eliezer was a horse to ride. I think that's the reason why Pi and Ritzgeus after him are taking such care in deconstructing Eliezer because they don't want that to become even the option for the rabbinical elite to be fasting on, on these Yom and Tovin. Um, and that's why they say he's a Shmuti, etc. There's another thing, Bob, though, and that is that, that, and I think that was happening, as Gertner points out, in many areas, even on every umtiv. Uh, yes, yes, Richard, even on Sukkot day and Pesach day. I mean, we know how much you eat uh, at the Seder. It's not that hard to say I'm fasting all, all Pesach day. But that was that was the idea that they'd spend the whole day in the base matters. The other thing was specifically for Rosh Hashanah and Aseris Yemei and that was another element that we find by the the uh, the, the Bnei Eretz Yisrael that Sura specifically that little branch felt very connected to, and that's part of the reason, as Gertner points out. We find in Italy and in France and in Germany, we find that it becomes the custom in those areas to be fasting on Rosh Hashanah. Um, and that's why the Rosh really addressed himself to that. This was something he was familiar with because it had spread in Germany. And, 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 and it was from this root, from, originally from Eretz Yisrael, but it was really developed in the ninth century by Natronoi, uh, well, he said it was his rabbeim, and it became a, 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 ver a very common idea that the, as I said, the initiates, it was considered a level to strive for, to be fasting. Um, and, and again, this is what, what we're seeing here is the Babylonian pushback to that, that there was the Pumpadisa pushback, where they said no, and you can see that he says that don't go with the original psak of Rabbi. Ain Masanabiantiv Kaval, not Rosh Hashanah, not every Yantiv and Shabbos. Um, and then you know they, they quoted again. This might have been in High's original tshuva, the Yerushalmi, which is again unusual for the Gaonim to quote the Yerushalmi. Metronoi never quoted a Yerushalmi in all his many many tshuvas. He never mentions the Yerushalmi once, as Yerachmiel Brody, the editor of his Chuvas, points out. But Hai brought a Yerushalmi to, to the fore on this case. And he says, if you look in the Yerushalmi, it says, Rav Achav Yaakov, Havi Mavkid Vesatraya, Min that I want you to tell the people, Bechol Mesanin, you want to become a, a, an initiate, you want to dedicate yourself through fasting, Fast every day, but not Shabbos, not Yontif, not Chalamoy, not Rosh Hashanah, not Hanukkah, not Purim. It's clearly, you should not be fasting, and that would include Asir Tzimei Tshuva. That's a Bavli. But then Rav Chai brought, he says, the, the Gemara in Yuma, in the Bavli, that also says, when it tries to prove, a, a, a the, the, the Bavli is trying to prove that if your person does Melacha on Yom Kippur, that he'd be chayiv kares. You don't need a pusik for that, the Gemara says. Why? Because the Gemara says, you see, even when it comes to inui, the idea of fasting, which is a Yom Kippur unique thing, 
that we don't find its parallel anywhere, the Gemara says in Pei Aleph in Yuma. She'eno noeg, we don't find it anywhere on Shabbos or Yom Tif, still on Yom Kippur for not doing Inui, you get punished. So melacha, the idea of doing melacha, which we know is, 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 is true on Shabbos and Yom Tif, of course you should be punished. We don't need a Pusik to say you're punished for not doing melacha. That's what the Gemara says. But, but, but Hai takes that statement and says, you see, the, it, there's no such thing as, 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 as fasting on any other day. The ain misan and mishabas is toven. So therefore, now this proof is a weak proof. Because this is talking about uh, an attempt the Gemara has of trying, as, as the Gemara always does, why do we need this puzzle for? Uh, the Gemara in its Shakovataria many times has phrases which you have to be careful, but you can see that Hai and the Ritzkeus were trying to bury this attitude, this fasting attitude. And they were trying to use Yashami, Badli, and whatever they could uh, to dump on uh, Eliezer ben Hurkinus, uh in order to stop that. I, I think the Ritzgeus's beauty uh, of being High's uh, sort of like explainer is that we have to come to realize that there's a way to serve God with Oneg. There's a way to be Durish Hashem with Oneg. There's a way that even though it seems to be counter, counterintuitive, but there's a way to actually relish and joy to mentally be in one place, even though your body seems to be, you know, oh, look at these delicacies. Uh, there's a way to be there. Now, it's interesting in the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch itself was realized that this was a conundrum. Because if you're going to pile on a banquet-like atmosphere on, on Rosh Hashanah, where, where is the sense of, of fear of God of that day? Where, where is that going to happen? So I'll, I'll share with you just the words mechem, the ain misan in Rosh Hashanah. You should be happy. Have simcha. And you can see again, Turbish as the Beragola. It's Rafai in the Ritz Geus, right? It was their attitude that that that, that swayed against Natrunov. The ain misan, not not on Shabbos Truva. Amnam loy yochu kol savam. Don't eat everything you can. Prepare it, but clearly don't even eat 75%. Laman will yiklu rosham. Because if you eat too much, we know what too much food and drink will do. We know what it does. Then you're just going to get, you're going to get silly. You're going to not be serious. Vitiu yiras Hashem al Um Now, even though he writes, so this in a way was a way to sort of make a compromise. In other words, yes, be happy, be realized that God loves us and we can in a way uh, have bitachon in God's judgment that we're different, but don't eat everything, don't eat so much. <laughs> have a wonderful meal on Rosh Hashanah. It should be a magnificent look, that round challah and that brisket, but don't eat too much of it. Don't eat the way, don't, don't eat yourself full the way you might on a yontif, because you still have to recognize this. So this, in a way, is sort of like a little bit of the uh, of, of, of Rav Natrunoi. In fact, you can even see the very next halacha in Shulchan Aruch. It's sort of, in, like the Shulchan Aruch, despite the fact that it says we're not fasting, 
It says, Yesh Makomos, Shekapola Biodam, Shekomi Sharoga Wisanas Prashishana. Anyone who did have the minag, that old Natranoi minag, not even the difference in the first and second day, Bob, of actually fasting on both days of Rosh Hashanah, and he had that minig, and he stopped it, and he stops, he won't live. In other words, if you do, and this is sort of like showing the um, the 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 vibrancy or the impossibility of blacking, of, of, of obliterating the Netronoi opinion. It was still there. There were still people doing it. And in fact, the people said, you better continue fasting. And if you don't do it, if this is what you've been doing, and if you don't do it, you're not going to live. Now, of course, it, it, that would, of course, stop people from ever accepting it. Because once you're part of that, you have to continuously, once, once you've decided this is the way you're serving God, on Rosh Hashanah by not eating that whole day, then you've got to continue that way. And if, Hataras Nadarim isn't going to help you. That is what the, the, the Machaber is quoting here, uh, quoting the Ogre. Yari the Ramos says, yeah, look, <laughs> look, if you're not worried, you don't have to worry about it. You don't think you have to be fasting if you're stuck in it. You decided to be a Natranoi guy. You decided to fast like the Natranoi's Rabbeim. You decided to fast. Don't worry. You're not. You're not going. You're not stuck in the lane of fasting your whole life. But you can see that the Machaber left it this way. So in a way, recognizing the strength of that minag, but also putting a kibash on it. Because anybody who reads this and grows up and says, oh boy, I don't want to start that. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to do it. And this way, uh, the Beis Yosef, mystic that he was, uh, and, and, and could really make sure to sort of like uh, ensure that that custom that at one time was the custom of the Rabbi Seinu of, 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 the, of, the, of the Gaonim and Surah, pretty much... Um, vanished from the face, vanished from really from the face of the earth. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.